Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for, for this uh, incredible season uh, of, of festivity. There is so much to be joyful for, uh, Lord, because you have blessed us so richly. Lord, I thank you for this uh, service today. I just pray that you would be uh, welcome uh, in and that your Holy Spirit would just touch each and every single facet and that you would touch every heart, open the ears of those who would listen and the hearts of those who would receive as we just uh, uh, In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, good morning. Merry Christmas uh, season, everyone. It is truly a joyous occasion for us as, as Christians to celebrate the holidays as we look forward to Christmas Day, which is December 25th, and that's growing closer and closer. But of course, it's, it's a common fun factoid for people to remind others that, uh, historically speaking, Jesus was not actually born on December 25th. Uh, it's actually, historically speaking, it's a lot closer to January 6th, which is a really odd thing for us to think about because not only are we done with our Christmas celebrations, but we've already gone into the new year and had our, our New Year's service by then. Um, and, and for that matter, there are a number of other traditions that we have adopted in this Christmas season that might not necessarily line up with the historic practices of, of ancient Israel as the holiday has grown more and more commercialized. However, I'm not suggesting this morning that we start casting aside the celebration of Christmas on December 25th or we start this, this new revolution that we don't have to have any of these drastic measures of, of uh, stopping to give, give one another presents, uh, tearing down the Christmas lights, burning the Hallmark cards. I'm not suggesting we do any of that at this point. Uh, what I'm rather suggesting is, is as we get closer to the Christian context of Christmas, what I'm going to tell you uh, is in this season, with all the merriment, with all the gifts, with all the lights, uh, and preparations being made for Christmas Day, don't forget the reason for the season, right? And, and so often we hear this, this uh, new phrase that has been coined by, by Christians, which is the reason for the season. Of course, we know the reason for the season was this momentous occasion of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, momentous occasion it was. Except that what, what I just said also contains an interesting inaccuracy and a fun factoid in and of itself. Uh, what I just said was uh, the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, this, this historically was actually not his name. His name was not Jesus Christ. More accurately, we would call him Jesus of Nazareth. And, and when you read uh, the, the Bible uh, story of, of Jesus' birth, he's actually referred to as uh, Jesus born in Bethlehem. Um, and so I suppose for many Christians in the West, we have not been exposed to much of the Bible yet. And so when we hear the name Jesus Christ, uh, we think that Jesus is his first name and Christ is his second name or his family name. Um, and one might almost refer to him as, as Mr. Christ in the same way that we refer to our mailman as Mr. Smith or we would refer to our lead pastor as Mr. Spadzinski. But of course, it was never that way in first century Israel. Christ was not initially, at least in any sense, uh, a family name, but it was actually rather a title. One title reserved for those who were God's elect in society. Uh, early on in ancient Israel, it applied to kings and priests and prophets. And whether it actually becomes a, a, a name for Jesus uh, anywhere in the New Testament is still sort of ambiguous. It's still, we're still unsure about that. Now, personally, my own view is that it, it never loses its titular function. It still remains a title uh, when it applies to Jesus and it applies to, to uh, him in these New Testament books. He remains Jesus the Christ. 
But let's back up a bit, because in this gift-giving season, I, Pastor Joel, have given you all a, a brand new gift uh, that you have been longing for, which is another word study, because I know how much you guys love it when I do this. So the name, or more accurately, the word Christ, is simply the transliteration of the Greek word Christos, which means someone who is anointed. It's the Jewish equivalent of Messiah, uh, which is a transliteration from the Hebrew word Messiah, which is someone who is anointed. So what we're actually using when we refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ is, is a transliteration of a, of a word, which is already a transliteration of another word, which means Messiah. So Jesus Christ means something more accurately like Jesus the Anointed One or Jesus the Messiah. But even that needs to be unpacked further, which brings me back to this season of Christmas. And if you don't see the connection, I don't blame you. Uh, because as I have mentioned, we have a lot to unpack uh, this morning about our understanding, or more accurately, our misunderstanding of what Christmas is truly about in our society today. Why we call it a momentous occasion. What is the true meaning for the season, and what inspired the most important birth uh, on that fateful day on January 6th? Yeah, it still doesn't sound right. It still doesn't sound right to me. Now I'm delving into all of this because when Pastor Dave asked if I would like to speak today, I happily accepted uh, because I love the idea of delivering a message around the Christmas season and around the Christmas story because I just, I, I really have this, this passion for uh, this, this joyous occasion, which is Christmas. Uh, uh, not nearly as much as my wife, uh, but, but I still have, you know, some, some reverence for it uh, myself. But given that today is still a week or, or a few weeks out from Christmas, I figured it was far too early to start with the nativity. In fact, it's, it's probably still likely a little too early to talk about the immaculate conception of Jesus. But when we read that, that nativity scene of, of Jesus as recorded in Luke, it actually points to the fact that the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas begins far sooner than his conception. It happens in the foretelling of a Christ, an anointed one, a Messiah who would come, who would deliver the Jews, you see this with, with the Magi who are traveling from far-off lands because of the prophecy of a star that would lead them to the Messiah. Yeah, all the way back in Isaiah 60, verse 3, the, the Christmas story already is, has kind of begun to unravel with a number of prophecies, uh, and this one is recorded. Uh, it says, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy star. This beautiful messianic prophecy in the Old Testament uh, not only foreshadows the Magi, who, who would come far from the east, um, but compares the coming of Christ to the rising of the sun on Israel. And I think that's a beautiful image because it talks about this rising of the sun on Israel, that the darkness that had been a result of their sinfulness and generations of sinfulness would finally be redeemed in the messianic Christ, the baby Jesus. You see, the way that we as a people in the Western Hemisphere perceive Christmas is very similar to the way that we as Western Christians perceive Jesus and our system of beliefs as a whole. I often find myself in the pitfalls of reading the New Testament over and over, again and again, and I just continue to pour over uh, the, the Gospels and the Epistles and, and all of these books because they're relevant to me, because I am living under the New Covenant, because I live under Jesus' uh, reign, um, or, or, or more accurately, Jesus' uh, salvation, His grace. But as I do so, I often neglect the powerful narrative of, of understanding Jesus 
and, and my very own salvation through the lens of the Old Testament, which is something that our young adults are going over right now. And it's been absolutely fascinating. And thank you, Pastor Nathan, for doing that because it got me thinking. You may recall way back at, at Easter, uh, me discussing the meaning of the word gospel as uh, literally translated to God's story. And many modern believers often treat it as just that, the whole story, the whole of God's story. When we look at just uh, the, the Gospels as, Jesus, as, as the story of Jesus and the story of God. In fact, just yesterday I heard the discussion of some of my relatives as they were talking about how the New Testament is, is far more valuable to them because the Old Testament simply just doesn't apply anymore. There's so many laws in the Old Testament. There's so many things that just don't apply to us because Jesus has come and he's overcome all of those things that, that uh, the people of, of ancient Israel had to deal with before he came. But for me, there's this in inherent knee-jerk reaction to defend all of Scripture. And I think that that is kind of intrinsic to who we are as Christians because when we talk about our Scripture, when we talk about our Word, we're talking about our infallible Word that comes from God. Each Word is recorded there for a reason. However, in, in many ways, what my relatives were saying is, is in some ways correct. The assertion that the New Testament is, is perhaps more important to the modern believer is in some ways correct. And that comes from this idea of that, that this Christmas story that begins way back in the Old Testament. Because what we're talking about is the, the story of God that begins at the beginning of time and, and begins with uh, the, the, the times of Abraham and, and King David and Moses and all of these incredible figures. In fact, the Old Testament is full of stories of men and women who, who were anointed, and they were Christos-like, and in, in this similar fashion to Jesus, they, they were the first ones to bear that title of Christ uh, because they were anointed by the Spirit of God, and they did some pretty incredible things by the Spirit of God. For example, Moses, King David, Ruth, there are the many judges that we read about. There are a bevy of God's elect who, who deliver the, the Jewish people by the anointing of the Spirit of God. They deliver them from, from uh, captivity. They do all of these very incredible things, but they could not do what Jesus did. In spite of the fact that the very Spirit of God was resting upon them, being uh, given access to the exact same Spirit as Jesus, eventually these so-called anointed ones would fail to deliver the Israelites, or more accurately, fail to deliver humanity in a lasting way. When you read all of these stories, uh, given that they, they could deliver them from captivity, they could establish for, for Israel a new kingdom they would, that would stand for a while, or they would uh, see that the Israelites would, would uh, turn from their sinful ways, their wicked ways, and, and begin uh, back on that pious uh, practice of the law, it would only last for like centuries. It would only last for a period of time. But eventually, that darkness would creep back in, that that, that uh it would return in the form of this, this sinfulness or, or this faithful, or faithlessness. But Jesus came not only to deliver us from sin, but to provide us with the salvific work of faithfulness. Or more simply, put the work of faith through grace. A work that could only be accomplished by the perfect spirit of God upon a man who was not only anointed, but was himself able to atone for the sins of humanity in an act, a single act of perfect love. It required God to take the form of man uh, to demonstrate the spirit of God as anointing and go in the stead of flawed humanity to do the work to completion. But we're getting so far ahead of ourselves. I said I wasn't even going to be touching on the Christmas story, and already now I'm going into the Gospels and I'm talking about Jesus on the cross as I mentioned, I'm here not to discuss this, the Christmas story of the gospel, but to provide you each with a new understanding of what the beginning 
of the, the Christmas story looks like through the lens that came before Christmas Day, through this lens of prophecy, and through this lens of, of the foretold birth of the Christ to come. Did you know that prophecy is an essential part of the Christmas story? I feel like a lot of people might not always recognize that. You may miss it, because when you go to most Christmas pageants at churches and, and specials, uh, you, you see all of these uh, adorable children dressed up as sheep and little uh, wise men, and they gather around the baby laying in a manger. But when in fact you read all of Scripture through, from Genesis to Revelation, you see what, what Christmas is about, and you see what the coming of Jesus is truly about. Uh, and, and in fact, we... we when we read into Revelation, we see that the angels call prophecy the very testimony of Christ. In Revelations 19.10, it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And this is the part. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I think that's so interesting because when I look at the Christmas story, I don't often think about that idea of prophecy other than that the Magi followed a star. It's about all that I really think about because all I, I, I look at is, is Jesus came for me. But in all actuality, Jesus came for not only me, but for, for you and for the ancient Israelites and for, for all of humanity through these, these, this lens of prophecy of all of these things that he, God was going to accomplish when he came as man, when the, when. Uh, this, this Christ would come when this Messiah would come. It's kind of slipped into the nativity in a way you may miss, but if you read scripture from beginning to an end, it's impossible for us to miss it. And this is kind of what we've been touching on with the young adults. When you read the Old Testament, Jesus is everywhere if you look for him. The Abrahamic covenant promises that God would make from Abraham a great nation, and it is fulfilled in Galatians 3.29 which says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so we've become heirs of, of the promise made to Abraham simply because Jesus came. We would miss that if we didn't look at the Old Testament and know what that, that really meant for us. It means that we will become a great nation and then God would establish us forever. In fact, Jesus is also the heir to the Davidic throne, which it, it states that David's heir would rebuild the temple and come to establish God's kingdom forever, which... Jesus fulfills in John 2.19 when he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And I, I talked about that a little bit at Easter where he's not referring to a literal temple but his body, which is for us, which is the work of salvation. God also promises Moses in the Old Testament that out of him God would bring the word to Israel and from his line comes Jesus, which fulfills the promise just as we read in John 1.1. When, when he says that he's going to bring the word out of Moses, we all assume he's talking about the law. He's talking about all of these things that Moses will say. But out of his line comes Jesus, who is the word incarnate, the word living. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so in this really roundabout way, God is fulfilling all of these Old Testament promises through Jesus no, in fact, the birth of, of, of the Christ, the day of Christmas, is the most anticipated day in all of history. It's the most anticipated day when you look at the Old Testament. As this baby comes to be born, it is the culmination of generations of prophecy. It is the fulfilling of God's anointing on great but imperfect versions of these messianic figures that I just told you about. Abraham, Moses, King David. And finally, the Messiah is given not only to Israel, but he's brought to redeem all of history, all of these prophecies. 
God's story as it pertains to the side, to this side of eternity begins in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, and it will end with the triumphant return of Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is what Christmas is all about. This is the reason for the season. This is the thing that we, we might lose at times when we look at the Christmas trees and the, and the lights and the presents, which are all nice. But the reason for the season and the festivity is, is absolutely all called for. Christmas is an incredible thing to talk about. It's the culmination of all of this prophecy, all of these uh, uh, anticipatory uh, things as we look forward to the, the coming of a Christ. For not only is there a baby born in Jerusalem, but there is a Messiah born to fulfill all that was failed to be accomplished from the time of Abraham to the end of days in our own human lives. Jesus fulfills every single thing. He overcomes every failure. He, 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 he supersedes each and every single uh, shortcoming of humanity. He, short, he overcomes our sin. This one baby means so much more than just the beginning of God's story. So much more than just the beginning of a Christmas story. As the meaning of the word gospel may lead you to believe that it is, it is God's story, God's story is so much more to the Jewish people and to us as a result of being born into this Abrahamic covenant, as I just shared with you. For us as well, the very first breath of this baby we will soon hear about is the culmination of God's perfect will for humanity actualized in living, breathing infancy. It's a really interesting way to, to phrase it infancy. The Christmas story is the infancy of a tale of one man. When you see this baby come, it's like we've anticipated for so long what he will be. What is it going to look like? What he, will he do for Israel? And that's exactly what the Jewish people were thinking. It's the infancy of a tale of one man, fully God, come to suffer the plight of man, and, and worse yet, be pierced for our transgressions so that the punishment we were due would be thrust upon him and he would accept it willingly for that is God's perfect love for us. Where am I getting that? You guys might remember a few Sundays ago, Pastor Dave mentioned in passing this, this passage that the Jewish people have a lot of trouble with, modern Jewish people. Um, they have a hard time reading it because it essentially is this perfect prophetic word for the testimony of Jesus that would foretell of this Christ-like figure this, this Messiah, this anointed one, who would come to be crushed for our iniquity. The passage that Pastor Dave was speaking of was Isaiah 53, which is actually a book. If you read it, and I, I, I strongly recommend you guys read Isaiah, because it is just chock full of Jesus. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament. It's, it's chock full of prophecy that Jesus would come to fulfill and I will read it for you this morning, uh, because as I mentioned, uh, try as I might to avoid that salvation message uh, of Jesus recording the, the New Testament. I've already given you guys so much of the gospel this morning. I said I was going to try to stick to the Old Testament, uh, but I ended up giving you guys that gospel message. Uh, and, and you can hardly fault me for that for two reasons. Number one, the gospel is so good. It springs out of God's people like fresh water. Like it, it's just so hard to contain uh, the beauty of Jesus' story uh, to the point where uh, all of our pastors here at Lighthouse agree that no matter the subject matter, uh, the life and sacrifice of Jesus are so central uh, to what we believe as Christians and what we would have you guys uh, know and understand deeply that it should be at the forefront of every message. If you were to take a sip of your Sunday morning coffee every time you hear Pastor Dave say, 
Sorry, I wrote a joke, and I, I find this very funny. If you were to take a sip of your Sunday morning coffee every time you hear Pastor Dave say, I desire that you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified, you will be fully caffeinated by the end of every sermon, and I promise you that. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. And I only tease because I'm in ingredients. You see, everything returns to Jesus. I'm speaking on Jesus' love this, this Sunday. Well, well I got to talk about the cross. That's the perfect act of love. I'm talking about grace. Well, well that's Jesus on the cross. It's the reason I can talk about grace. If it wasn't for that, uh, uh, we would have no grace. If I'm talking about Moses or King David, their covenants point to Jesus. You see, everything kind of revolves around and it circles back to this beautiful act uh, that happened on the cross generations and generations ago. There is no, we, we, we are allowed to enjoy reading of the biblical figures, but there is no one more important than Jesus. The second reason, however, returns to the root of what I'm trying to teach this morning. And it returns to the assertion of the angels that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I think this is so interesting. The Christmas story does not begin in Luke 1, as, as uh, many of these pageants would have you believe. But it actually happens with the miraculous conception of, of John the Baptist, or yeah, the miraculous conception of John the Baptist, followed by the immaculate conception of Jesus. No, rather, the life of this infant boy uh, is the culmination and the testimony of the spirit of prophecy that came generations and generations before he had ever come into existence, this Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. Because he truly is the reason uh, for, for existence. Uh, he, he was there in the beginning. Right? He's not just the meaning of our, he's not just the, the, the reason for, for the season. He's the reason for our very existence. He was there in the beginning when, when God created each and every single thing, and he will be there in the end when he returns to, to get his bridegroom uh, and, and uh, deliver us, and we will reign with him uh, for a thousand years before he, he brings us to heaven, uh, the place that he is preparing for us. He was prophesied by Jewish prophets and magistrates for generation, and as I promised, uh, I'm going to read for you guys from Isaiah 53. Uh, it's this, this most incredible testimony which f would foretell of the entire life of the Christ to come. It's the true foretelling of our Christmas story, and it's recorded in Isaiah 53, which I'm going to read for you now. <clears throat> Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, he was, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. But surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our, for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. We are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and just as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, 
For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the, with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Hallelujah. This is the testimony of Jesus. And just as I, I said to you guys, in Revelation it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Talk about the testimony of Jesus as a prophecy. This came generations and generations before Jesus would ever come uh, and fulfill each and every single thing that this passage says. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We considered him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. There, this, this is just chock full of, of, of what Jesus came uh, into, into this world to do. I really wish I could give you a lengthy breakdown of the passage in Isaiah 53, but, but there's little time this morning. Uh, Rather, I'm going to leave you with a benediction out of this, this uh, passage which I've just read. That while Christmas season you see before you is one of joy and merriment and presents and gifts, for some it is a very hard time. We don't always think about that. We don't always recognize that. We look at our own families. We look at the joy. We, we think of the gifts that we're going to give to our loved ones. But for some it's a time to grieve the loss of loved ones. For some, it's hardships. For some, it's loneliness during a season that society would have you believe is about presence and lights and hot cocoa and being with family. Hold on to this. Hold on to this passage in Isaiah 53. Hold on to the, the spirit of prophecy. Hold on to the, the nativity uh, scene of Jesus. For this is the true reason for the season. That just over 2,000 years ago, uh, in about a month's time for historic accuracy, a baby boy was born in Bethlehem who came to be the intercession for transgressors, who was pierced for your, your transgressions, assigned to the grave of the wicked so that the wicked could be assigned the life of righteousness. He came for you. He came for me. He came, in fact, he came to redeem all of creation. And so while you may enjoy the beautiful merriment of Christmas, or your heart may be hurting, take true joy in the beauty, uh, in the true beginning of what the Christmas story is that began from the spirit of prophecy, that the baby boy who the shepherds and the wise men marvel at, that we're going to be reading out about in, in a, a number of weeks' time, uh, had also come to be your Savior too. This is a really, truly beautiful message. Um, and, and it all relates back to, again, this, this thing that we hear in, in Revelation 19, the spirit of prophecy. What is it that Jesus really came to do? What is it that he came to accomplish? 
Um, and as we look at Isaiah 53, as we look at a number of different prophecies, uh, we see that there is true beauty in the fact that Jesus came uh, to, to fulfill each and every single thing that, that we could not in our own strength. Your iniquity, your failure, your lowliness. When we look at our own sin, it's, it's really easy for us to uh, become low. But when we look to the message of the cross, when we look to the message of Christmas, what we actually see is that it was never about us. It was never about our, our own strength. It was never about our own uh, joy. It was never about our own ability to succeed or fulfill any sort of uh, uh, accomplishment um, for the kingdom. What it was always about was about this figure, this Jesus, this Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would come to fulfill each and every single thing. As I just mentioned, he came for you. He came for me. He came to redeem all of creation. And so while you enjoy the beautiful merriment of Christmas, you must also remember this reason for the season, that he has come to be your savior. He has come to stand in the gap for each and every single thing uh, that you are inadequate for. And so I'm going to close in prayer in a moment, uh, but, but I want this, this message to be very clear. That if you do not have the love or the hope or the joy of, of Christmas, or you don't have the joy of this gospel message, which I tried, tried as best as I could to avoid, but I ended up circling back to it. If you don't have that message of joy in your heart, if you don't recognize that for yourself, we're going to pray uh, the sinner's prayer so that you too can accept. And I, and I don't know how many of you uh, here today have accepted the message of Jesus, or for those of you who are watching online, uh, but I just, I welcome you to pray along with me, uh, and for the members of the congregation who have already accepted, I just ask that you would pray along as well, uh, so that those who, who uh, have not yet received feel, <clears throat> feel comfortable to pray as well. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll, I'll welcome the worship team back up, uh, and after this, we're going to be doing communion. Uh, so this is another uh, beautiful act, and Pastor Dave's going to be bringing us through that uh, as well. Can we close our eyes and pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your Son. Your Son who came on Christmas. Lord, I, I recognize my sin, my inadequacy, my transgressions. I know that your Son was pierced for them. He was put to the cross to die for my sins. I accept him as my Lord. I accept him as my Savior. And I welcome you into my life. Lord, that you would be my Savior and you would be my God. Guide me on the steps of life that I may honor you. I accept you. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.